Welcome to Two Girls Who Read, a podcast. I'm Olivia. And I'm Lily, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything book-related. Today's topic is The Atlas Six by Olivier Blake. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, a new edition of The Atlas Six just came out. And I read the self-published edition uh, back near the end of last year, I want to say. Um, and I just got off Amazon. I didn't even really realize that she, like, self-published it. Like, I didn't really make it that didn't connection. It did feel self-published. Like, it felt like it was done by a publishing company. <laughs> it, like, yeah, just an it indie did. one. Yeah, so, like, I don't know, I didn't really make the connection, and then when I saw they were making a new edition, because, like, a publishing company had bought it, I was, like, good for her, and I saw that there was, like, new art in the new edition, but, like, that's about it, and then I found out that there's actual differences between, like, the writing, like, the writing, the story is different, and so then, of course, we decided we had to make a podcast talking about said differences. (laughs) Yeah, because where it gets interesting, yeah. So straight into it, if this is gonna have spoilers, spoilers for, for the entire Atlas Six, like both versions, because <laughs> what we're specifically interested in talking about today is the differences between the self-published version and the normal version. So this could be good if you've only read one version and you don't want to read the other. But where it gets interesting is Lily read the self-published version, and I started reading the self-published version way back in. Was it October? I think it was October. I don't know. It was around the same time as me, near the end of last year. Near the end of last year, yeah. And, like, I'll have to go on my Goodreads and figure it out. But, basically, I started it and I read about 100... I read 55% of it on my Kindle because you couldn't get the self-published version in Australia, like, paperback, unless it was for an obnoxious price. And I'm, like, pretty, like... I understand the pricing of books well enough, I feel, but I'm not someone who spends, like, over... I feel like 25 is my cutoff for a book. Like, I don't spend more than that unless it's, like, a special edition or something. So, yeah, I didn't get the paperback, but I got the Kindle, and I read 55% of it, and then I just couldn't go on because something about this book was just... It was messing with my brain. I couldn't understand it, and it was screwing with me. And so I just kind of stopped and hope to come back to it later. Then the Atlas Six, uh, the new Pan Macmillan uh, edition came out in Australia like two days ago or something like that. Well, in the past week. And I was in my bookstore and I just bought it because um, I kind of just wanted the art, not going to lie. But um, <laughs> <laughs> because the art is really hot. They're all just super hot. <laughs> so even if I didn't Olivia like the book. Olivia has a thing for the art in this book. It's a bit interesting. <laughs> it's not interesting. It's common. I think anyone with the eyeballs would agree with me that well, the I art know, is good. hot. It's, here's, the thing. It's, here's the thing. It's good art. But, like, Olivia wants to, like, marry the characters of this art, I swear. It's not any character. It's Ezra. It's the Ezra art that gets me. I know. Like, Like, okay, here's the thing. Olivia always gets so mad at me. Not so mad, obviously. I'm being dramatic. But, like, it's probably been said on this podcast before, for those who listen, like, most of the time. Where it's like, I'll be talking about a character. And I'm like, yeah, they're evil, but they're hot. Olivia's like, oh my god, Lily. That's so ridiculous. And then, like, 
Ezra's not then, evil. Ezra's not as bad as the crushes you've had, okay? He's questionable. Ezra, we'll get, we'll into, get it. into it. <laughs> okay. He's so, definitely not a good character. And I'm like, but Olivia, he's not a good person. She's like, that doesn't matter because he's hot. <laughs> Stop, leave me alone. Okay, you have had like 10 instances like this. Let me have my one, okay? This is my one. What are my ten? You have Maven. You okay, have... I don't like Maven because he's hot. I like him because of my psychology brain likes his character. Not because mm-hmm. I think he's hot. Okay. You know anyway. this. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the point is... <laughs> the point is... I had stopped reading the Atlas 6, then I re-bought the new version. And then um, I started it, and I was like, I'll give it another go. Anyway, I finished it in less than 24 hours. I read 200 pages of this shit, like, in 24 hours. So, if... Let's just start straight off the bat. Should you read the self-published version or the published version? Like, which one's better? In my opinion, the published version's better, because in my experience, the the self-published version made me want to gouge my eyeballs out, because it was so just... Com- and complicated and the way she wrote it was confusing but then like I don't know what the editor at Pan Macmillan did but they really popped off and they deserve a raise because it now has made me enter this phase of my life where I'm like I do like the pretentious vibes I am pretentious you know what it is this mm-hmm. book okay the self-published version of this book is written in a way that it's like math but it's when you can't figure out the answer to the math and then the pan mcmillan version is when you do know the answers to the math questions and you feel super powerful and super smart because you're like i know math i am a genius like you know when you figure out math questions that like nobody Mm -hmm. else can really you just feel like so powerful that was me reading the second half of this book i was like pan mcmillan has made me feel like a freaking pretentious genius when it with uh, this dark academia vibes like yeah so um, yeah, we're here to talk about some of the differences because long story short, most of the differences happened at the ending we learnt, um, of like the way that it's written is there's a few details in the end, which is interesting because Lily's ending and my ending of this book is basically different because it's not different. Like, okay. If you've only read the self-published edition, it's the same things happen. It's mm-hmm. just it's gone about in a different way which we'll get into uh i typed out a list on my phone because obviously i couldn't make a differences list considering i've only read one edition and olivia well i mean olivia i guess like kind of read two editions but she didn't read the complete version of two editions so like Mm -hmm. she can't really actually say the differences um and so basically i have just come up with i basically Olivia and I both watched this girl's TikTok. I basically watched it and took notes from her TikTok. So I want to give her credit where credit is due because I did not come up with these differences. But her TikTok yeah. is li dot reading. She made this little differences video, and so thanks to her, I have things to talk about. <laughs> because here's the thing: it's like I've read the book, yes, but it's like I don't know what's different. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, so if you want to just straight up know the differences, probably go watch her TikTok. But, like, say... But we'll be saying, be- like, a little more detail. Because she just... Because 
she's kind of like said like a one sentence thing and then now that I know that it's different I can like talk more detail about it because I'm like oh I remember that scene in my book I can talk more detail about now so if you just want like the point form like one minute but if you actually want like the details because I feel like with hers video it's a very good video but I feel like you can't get away with like if you with like if you don't want to read it if I feel like you wouldn't be able to get away with reading the second one when it comes out Mm. with that minimal details you know okay We're just going to start out. This is kind of a smaller one. Mm -hmm. But basically, Libby's backstory, um, it's the same in the books. Um, How she joined the society because she wanted to help her sister. Or she wanted to know if what happened to her sister was something that she could have prevented, right? Yeah, she had a degenerative disease. Yeah. Yeah, and she wanted to know if she could have saved her. However, apparently in the new edition of the novel, that you find that out on page like 9 or 10. You find it out earlier uh, for sure. And in this in the original version, you don't find it out till like 60%. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely built up quite a bit more. So you learn a little bit more about the characterization quite a bit earlier on in this new edition, which is kind of nice. I think it adds something. I definitely... Could, I actually could tell that difference straight away because uh, I think the in the original, I was just... I stopped reading it just before they were about to start going and into Livy's backstory because then when I picked up the new edition from like 55% way through, they were just talking about Livy's backstory like they already knew it. And I was like, oh, did yeah. you know this already? And I was like... So that was kind of confusing. But like, I think... I definitely think some it would have made. I think it was a better choice for sure than definitely. telling us earlier because something about the self-published version that I didn't like was they were secretive. But there's a difference between secretive in a mysterious, cool way and secretive in a way of like, okay, come on, guys, like one of you has to let up. Like I need to care about you at least because right now you're giving me nothing, and so yeah. I did notice that difference. Uh, another difference is that uh, Gideon, who is Nico's friend, um, history will in... call them best friends. Pardon? History will call them best friends. Yeah, I'm using friends as a very loose term right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, history is not really explained as much in the original copy. Um, basically all I know from the original copy is that like we don't like his mom mm. and like Nico really doesn't like his mom mm. that's kind of all you get like you don't really like you know that she's kind of like done some questionable things and that Nico's trying to protect Gideon from her but that's basically it <laughs> like, yeah. there's not much more in, um, yeah in the Pam McMillan version like you learn a lot about her mom like I kind of know what she's did and also you know more about like Gideon's it's quite pivotal to Gideon's backstory because in the self-published version I think they go about it more it's like oh Gideon's mom is bad but like we don't know why but we're just gonna it's it's insinuated it's like we don't want to go we don't want Gideon going back to his mom but in my version it was kind of low in the Pam McMillan version uh there's a whole thing where they actually just explain basically Gideon's mom uh 
as a kid would make Gideon go into people's dreamscapes and basically he would drive them insane and he didn't know he was driving them insane but he was just doing it because his mum told him to and as soon as he figured out that he was like driving these people insane he stopped doing it and cut off ties with his mum obviously but his mum is kind of like crazy and like <laughs> a little bit and so she kind of just won't leave him alone and so Nico kind of like tries to keep her away from him but it's interesting because at the end of the Pam McMillan version, we made the discovery that Gideon actually got his mum to figure out where Nico was and basically to f- tell him like the news that Nico was a part of this Alexandrian society because Gideon was like worried about where Nico was spending all of his that time. That part did happen in the original one as well. Yeah, but I think it's more like you know why that's bad like you're like oh no (laughs) you you do not want to be like in debt to your mother because that's messed up yeah um also you see a little bit more of getting in nico's quote-unquote friendship um especially on nico's end of things a little bit like you kind of see how much nico cares about him in the new edition but in the self-published edition like you obviously knew that he cared and he did you knew that nico didn't want him to like go back to his mom but that was kind of the extent of it like their relationship was not as developed in the original edition they're more gay in the pan mcmillan version they're more gay in the new edition which they're more I gay respect. and they're great <laughs> they're good they're gay and we are here for it yes the Libyan ship um, is a, a quaking around us right now. They're like, leave, leave <laughs> <yeah>. that alone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. If you ship Libyan Nico, I ship anyway. Libyan Nico. Okay. Well, I know, but like, I ship Libyan Nico. I ship all of them. <laughs> That's my thing. I I'm like very open about them. <laughs> but some people, okay, unpopular opinion. If you let, if you finish the Atlas Six and with the opinion that you only ship Libby and Nico, I do not trust you. You do not you read it have wrong. eyeballs. You read it wrong. <laughs> like, You're like telling if, me that Libby and Parissa would not be a power couple? Anyway. Well, even Libby and anybody, like, she was living that Wyatt life. Like, she, she was. Yeah. She's got Ezra. She's got Nico. She's got Tristan, Parissa. Even Callum and her had a weird tension at times. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Speaking of Parissa, um, another thing that's quite interesting to me uh, was so Parissa and Dalton, their relationship was quite different in the new edition. Um, so I guess just starting with the idea that his tests that he gives to her, like his inner mind tests, they're much more descriptive mm. in the new edition. Uh, they make quite a bit more sense. You get a little bit more of an understanding of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has mentioned how much skill that it would take for Dalton to have created this like weird mind task thing, mm. which I think is really interesting that that wasn't mentioned in the original version because I think like Dalton's whole power was just generally not explained in the original edition that well. And so I think it's interesting that she left that out and then is just now putting it in the new edition. I'm- 
Dalton, I am confused with him as a character because yeah, I don't really know what he's for. <laughs> Dalton is. There were some interesting things about Dalton. Three in particular stand out. Number one, in the dreamscape in like the Pam McMillan version, was there was basically this other Dalton like in his head that like wanted out. Like it almost felt like yeah, that Dalton was in the original was tra- as well. Yeah, but it was just very eerie. I was like, is Dalton trapped? Like, is this not really Dalton that we see on the outside? Like, is this Dalton? And then, like, there was a whole speech he made about how, like, Atlas taught him how to starve. Because you know how that was a whole thing between Ezra and Atlas? That whole speech about, like, knowing how to starve your power. And, like, the more you know how to starve, like, the more powerful you are and whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. Dalton kind of quoted that. And he was like, Atlas taught me how to starve and like my boundaries basically so I'm like what the heck is going on here and then um the last thing was when well I guess this would segue into our next one potentially the next difference is when they found out that well when Tristan said that like Libby uh Libby's body wasn't actually Libby's body but in an animation Dalton said, like, only I could do an animation like that. and Which is weird, because he didn't do it, I don't think. So, that was confusing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so... The other thing that was in the new edition, but not in the original, was... So, Dalton, obviously, is the one who tells Barissa that someone has to die at the end. Um, Which really just heightens the stakes. (laughs) But it wasn't until the new edition that Dalton also tells Farissa that if someone doesn't die, something goes terribly wrong. Yeah. Which I find very interesting that that was not included in the original. Um, mm. It feels like a pretty important, pretty important part. <laughs> yes. Even um, with the original, they didn't give away like even on the blurb we were talking about it on the blurb of the original they did not mention that like or they did not give away straight away that one of them would obviously have to die like that was a plot twist but on the back of the Pam McMillan version it literally says like something about oh yeah oh yeah and then it literally says it's like here each must study and innovate within esoteric subject areas and if they can prove themselves over a year they'll survive most of them like it literally kind of hinted that one of them would have to die or like some of them would have to die but like in the original that was not hinted at at all I remember finding that out and I was like of course one of them has to die like yeah but like I didn't think that beforehand I thought one of them just got like eliminated like I thought they just like went home I was like okay bye (laughs) yeah um for sure. Uh, there's also just a lot more details in the new edition about, like, the um, initiation. So I guess I'll kind of just, like, run through those and then we can talk about, like, all of them at once. Mm-hmm. But basically, Parissa is the one who realizes that the initiation ritual is what binds them to the society. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Atlas explains to Libby that all of the six of them are bound to each other. And that the sacrifice breaks the bond that they have with each other, but it's what gives the powers to the library, and then in turn gives the five that are remaining their own powers, mm. which is just something that like was not explained 
that well in the original version, if, like, really at all. Like, when I saw the video that explained that, like, I did not know that. And whether it was because, like, I didn't remember or because it wasn't explained. But I think it's because it wasn't explained because it was in the differences video. So I'm assuming it's just because it wasn't explained in the original version because that was news to me. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I just remember... Honestly, I didn't really pick that up reading. I kind of missed that. This is kind of new information to me. <laughs> because oh. I remember well, apparently reading... Apparently that was in the new edition. Yeah. I remember reading them doing the vows and the initiation. And there was a whole line about how, like, and six became one. Like, that was the line. And I was like, sick. But I thought it was more metaphorical. I didn't realize it was quite literal. So they all... So this, so they have, like, enhanced powers now? Is that what that means? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. They get, like, the library, like, gives, like, they give the library powers by, like, doing their sacrifice. Yeah. And then in turn, the library gives them powers back. (laughs) Which is interesting, because technically they didn't really sacrifice anybody. (laughs) Like, but period. Well, we'll get to that. There's something about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was very interesting that, like, she really just thought we would all figure that out when she wrote the original version. <laughs> I mean, it's flattering that she thought we were that smart. <laughs> I know. She really said, like, ah, obvious. This is obvious. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, also the little detail that was thrown into the new version that I'm assuming is going to come back up in future books <laughs> is that Dalton has access to something in the library that nobody else does. That was not really a thing in the original. Yeah. Also, his research, forget, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently his research was described in a lot more detail. Uh, yeah, like, I don't book. even really know what his research is, having only read. You don't really know what it is in this, but you it's just more, like, talked about. So it kind of implies that his research is pretty important to the plot. As, like, I feel like in the self-published version, it was more just, like, Oh, Dalton's doing research, cool. But in this one, it was like, Dalton's doing research, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. And I'm assuming that has something to do with the thing in the library that he has access to that no one else does. Yeah. Um, Okay, I guess, like, in terms of, like, the initiation, like, now we're kind of starting to get a little bit into, like, the grand finale ending sort of dealio that like nobody understands well i i didn't understand because i read the original (laughs) yeah i understood Um, it i feel yes (laughs) but basically one of the key differences is because basically everyone sees libby's body right Mm. and they're like oh my god she's dead but in the new edition tristan can see her body but he realizes it's an illusion and it's not actually real right yeah so that's not something that happens in the original ones the characters have a lot more information in the new edition yeah so basically should i just like kind of briefly explain yes okay cool (laughs) um so basically yes uh I'm really intrigued because there was a lot of foreshadowing in this version as well 
uh, that when Libby quote unquote died, I didn't believe it for a second. I was like, she's not dead. And so I did you genuinely believe Libby was dead when you read it? Like No. No. Okay, cool. So maybe that stuff was still in there. But it was things, for example, like Libby let out a scream and then someone grabbed her around her waist. Like that was a line. And I was like, yeah, yeah. so she's not dead. Like somebody grabbed her and they went somewhere. Um, But in this version, they really confirm your suspicions. And basically they see Libby's floor, Libby's body on the floor. But Tristan, it's kind of wholesome. Like, I think it speaks a lot of volumes to how Tristan cares about Libby because he basically is, like, looking at Libby's body and he's, like, noticing all these things about her that he's only really noticed because, like, he low-key has a crush on her. So it was honestly kind of sweet. It was like, okay, but where's, like, the coffee stain that was on her shirt when she spilled coffee this morning and stuff like that? Um. Anyway, Tristan's basically like, this is not her body. Like, it is, but it's not. And it kind of divides the group a little bit because, like, Tristan knows it's not her body, but then everyone's like, well, then where's Libby? Like, let's find her. So they spend a few weeks looking for her, but they can't find her. So uh, quite quickly, uh, Parissa, Callum, and, yeah, Parissa and Callum just, like, don't believe it. They're like, yeah, Libby's dead. R.I.P. And then Raina admits later that, like, she didn't believe it either that like Libby was alive the only one that really doesn't give up is like Nico Nico is like very like I refuse to give up on finding Libby like Libby has to be alive because again like I think something that this added to the book it really highlighted the relationships between a lot of characters like it really showed Nico and Libby's like uh strong bond a lot more because yeah Nico just was that was really... something that was the same though like Nico was obsessed with finding her in the original as well oh interesting yeah well then that was the same and Nico was kind of the only one who even months later was like we have to find Libby and Tristan it was interesting because even though he's the one that made the discovery he kind of kept his distance a bit and he was like I don't really want to like get involved and anyway it ends up coming around that like how the gang kind of finishes it off is Nico's like I'm only taking this vow if you guys agree to help me find Libby. So, like, it very much set up that in the next book, like, what the game's kind of main task is, is to find Libby together. Like, they're going to find Libby. And they only really agree because, yeah, and it's really interesting because it's the first time we really see Nico take dominance in the group. Like, the whole time he's kind of just, like, there. And, like, nobody really has any quirks with Nico. He's just kind of everyone's friend. But he literally says, he's like, you're either with me or against me. And him and Raina had already teamed up because Raina was like, uh, I can't remember why she teamed up with him, but basically, I don't know, Nico just, she likes Nico and whatever. She was like, okay, I'll help you find him. I mean her, sorry, Libby. And yeah, then the rest were just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll help out <laughs> because it would be awkward if they said no. Um, and so that's kind of like how that whole situation goes down. And we even see where Libby is. Like we see... Ezra drop yeah, her off. Yeah, she's, like, with Ezra. Like, Ezra, like, Tucker. Yeah, like, we literally see there's a whole chapter dedicated to Ezra, like, dropping her off in this weird, like, timescape land and then leaving her. So it's, like, we know Libby's alive. It's just, like, we we don't know. We kind of know where she is, but, like, nobody knows where she is. That's the point. Why did Ezra want her again? So basically, that whole situation, Ezra really wanted 
he was either anticipating his plan was that he need, was going to take either Reyna, Nico, or Libby because he knew taking one of those three would do the most damage because Atlas anticipated Callum to die and then he kind of had his icks with Parissa and then Tristan. There wasn't really any point in taking Tristan because like he wasn't a pivotal member of the six. As like basically Ezra confirmed that Atlas had um like he basically confirmed that Libby, Nico, and Reyna are the most valuable members of the six to Atlas. And so he was like, I need to take one of those three. But then when the animation came around, they were basically like, Okay, this is a very realistic animation, but he had to put the face on the person and the only way that it would look realistic is if he knew like every single way that person looked and moved so then he was like well then obviously it has to be Libby because I like dated Libby and I know how Libby looks um the most so that's like why it was Libby because that was the person the only person that he could really make the animation look like the the most realistic with so then yeah that was why um yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, there's a whole thing that Dalton in the new version doesn't tell them it's an animation. Oh, but he knows. But he but then knows. he tells Parissa, but not the others. And then that's when the whole thing comes up that he's the only one who could have made the animation, but he didn't. Right. there's a conversation where it's no Tristan's definitely the one Tristan's definitely the one that like but he knows it's an illusion he's like but an animation animation. and an illusion are two different things the thing was an animation it wasn't an illusion yeah an illusion's a different thing but the corpse was an animation that was the technical yeah. term for it they used. And so Dal- Tristan saw it and then Dalton didn't notice until mm. Tristan pointed it out. But then once he pointed it out, he was like, this is so realistic. Only I could have done this. And so that's where it's confusing. Because maybe it kind of in it kind of alludes to maybe like Ezra went back or forwards in time and got him to do it. But we don't know. Yeah. And then like... I don't know if this is, like, a little aside, I guess, and, like, it's probably, like, really far-fetched, but honestly, with this book, like, nothing is too far-fetched because (laughs) anything can happen. But, like, just, like, the whole idea, it's, like, okay, Dalton doesn't know who, like, created it, he's, like, it's only me that could have done something like this. And, like, I don't know how this could have happened or how this would, like, be explained, but, like, when you said that, like, just, like, the whole idea of, like, the Dalton that's, like, inside Dalton's mind, if that makes sense, is, like, trapped inside Dalton's mind could have something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. But. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, Dalton's, he's got kind of this vibe about him where, yeah. you know, the movie Split, where it's just, it's very problematic. Movie. Yeah, it, it's giving that. I'm like, does Dalton have, like, two people like kind of inside him or something like I don't really know I'm very intrigued by him for sure but yeah I was really shocked because honestly what made the ending so cool to me was just like them knowing because them knowing that Libby wasn't actually like Libby's corpse wasn't actually Libby's corpse it kind of started the whole domino effect of explaining that Ezra 
time traveled and was behind it all and that was like the coolest part of the ending for me like finding out Ezra's uh part of all of this because yeah I totally didn't expect Ezra to do a 180 like that like Olivia Blake did a great job at writing Ezra to just be this like guy that I totally was expecting to just be useless and like Libby's offhanded boyfriend so like that was definitely very interesting I mean that part was the same in between the editions, it's just that, like, it's not as, it's not explained very good. Like, I don't really know, like, I really don't understand it that well. <laughs> I had to, like, do a lot of my own research after finishing uh. the book to actually understand it. Um, but yeah. then there's just, like, the whole thing of, like, Atlas wanting to be, like, God. Like... It is. Was that not in your version? It's explained very poorly, <laughs> but it was. I have a little oh, screenshot okay. that I got from Reddit. It's what I originally read that explained the ending. So after we're done this, I'm going to read it and you can see like how different it is. Because this is like a post from like before the new edition came out, if that makes sense. Of someone like explaining the ending in my copy. Because okay. like I can explain the ending, but like not that well. So like... <laughs> um. I feel like I understood the ending quite yeah, well, so, we'll so I'm see, intrigued like, by if this. It's like, if it's the same thing, and it's just, like, yours was explained better, or, because, like, we know it was explained better, but, like, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, actually, maybe I'll just read that now, because that's kind of, like, what we're up to. But basically, yeah. so it's, like, yeah. Ezra and Atlas made a plan way back when to take this society for their own, like, goals and purposes, um, and they needed to find, like, the perfect team of, like, ma- magic people to, like, get this done because they wanted to control the world for their own personal gain. Um, but then Ezra kind of split off from Atlas um, as time went on because Atlas kind of changed his goals. So he wanted to become, like, a god and basically recreate the entire universe. Um, so... When Ezra realized mm. what was happening, he went, he time traveled to the future. Um, it's, he, he time traveled to like an alternate future where Atlas's goals became a reality. Only for him to realize that like basically the world ended under Atlas's vision. And basically, to make this happen, he wanted Parissa to be the one to die, and apparently, Parissa's death would like trigger the end of the world. Which, like, I don't fully understand why Persis has to trigger the end of the world, but, like, whatever. Um, basically, then, um, there's a whole idea of, like, killing the one in the shape. We kind of already talked about that. And how, basically, it makes them all into one person. And by killing one person, it would pour all of the bad luck into one person. But that person's now dead. So, it's not an issue. Um, and then the rest would have better fortune in the future. But they don't necessarily have to die for the ritual to work, which is kind of what we talked about later, where, like, technically they didn't kill anyone, but yet they don't necessarily have to die for the ritual to work. They just have to vanish completely and utterly, like what happened to Ezra and Libby. So basically that was, like, the ending in my copy, even though it was not explained good at all. <laughs> there are a f- few differences there. Number one, Parissa dying is not a thing like at all that's never like 
the only thing that kind of alludes to that so basically in this version what happens it's all the same in the sense of Ezra and Alice go way back and they made a plan and they're like let's take you know let's like take this society for ourselves and basically they make a plan where it was like Ezra you have to you're going to be the one that like technically gets sacrificed out of our six all and we'll meet up like at a certain time when I'm like in the society and we'll come up with like the perfect team to take down the society and then that's when they kind of like spend year Ezra spends years jumping around meeting up with Atlas and they're finding like different people and uh the basically the plan was like all of them it was the six that we got to know Ezra is actually the one interestingly enough that finds Libby and Nico and he says like you have to take them both like which is interesting to me because Ezra was technically Libby's girlfriend so it's funny that he knew about like he was very aware of their bond while also dating Libby but um Atlas basically chooses the rest he's like I want a person to be my right hand which is Parissa because Parissa and him have the same ability and I want Raina and then like I want Callum to be the one that dies because basically they conclude like if we kill Callum it's basically doing humanity a favor that guy's like a nuclear bomb you know what I mean like he needs to go and so (laughs) anyways uh they come with that plan but very quickly it starts to go awry Atlas basically says like he doesn't like Parissa he's like we need a um Parissa will not do like she's dangerous and I don't trust her which is interesting um and basically uh Atlas says like his quoted his quote is like we need to handle Parissa and Ezra kind of notices his language and how he's not really looking at um these kids kind of like people but they're more just like a means to a power and so Mm -hmm. Ezra kind of gets a bit uncomfortable with this and he's like and then anyway he kind of starts calling Atlas out for the first time in their like entire sort of companionship and that's when he realizes that oh Atlas actually has like a plan bigger than what I thought we had because he's had a lot more years to live and it seems like his intentions have changed somewhere along the way and I wasn't there to see it and it happened under my nose and now Atlas is not actually great and I don't actually think I want Atlas like I don't trust this man as much as I thought I did so that's when he jumps in the future and then he sees like doomsday and it's like Libby's there Nico's there and Tristan's there and Tristan's actually doing some weird power like some cool power which I thought was interesting because Tristan's whole thing is like he doesn't know what his power is but he's like doing something cool and that's like described so that alludes at that and then anyway but like I don't think many of the others were there. I don't think like Parissa or Callum or Raina were there. Well, because didn't it all center around like they didn't want Callum to be there. It was like they wanted the initiates minus Callum and then Parissa like had to die for that to happen. Quote unquote. So that would make sense why they weren't there. I don't remember that. That wasn't, I don't remember that. That was like in my version. So I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't in mine, but I don't remember it ever being said where it was like, we want Callum to die, but in order for Callum to die, Parissa needs to die. Well, not like in order for Callum to die, Parissa needs to die. It's like, they didn't want to bring Callum into this like new world of theirs because they're like you said, they're like, this man is fucked. Like, get rid of him. (laughs) They didn't want to bring him into their new world. Um... But, like, in order... So, like, he dies as, like, a totally separate thing. But Parissa would also have to die in order for, like, the chain of events that creates this world to happen. But technically, mm. both of them were set to die. Interesting. See, 
that's interesting because that wasn't said in my version, but like Parissa also wasn't in the future. So that could have like also said <laughs> along those lines. So I don't know, but basically it's doomsday. But what's interesting is Ezra jumps forward and he talks to Atlas and Atlas like they've basically ended the world like single-handedly. And then Atlas just yeah. looks at Ezra and goes, let's try again. Like, go back. We're going to restart. This was a mistake. Like, we're going to do this again and we're going to do it right. And so that's when Ezra's like, oh my God, this guy's crazy. Like, he ends the world and he just, like, thinks it's, like, fun. Like, there's no consequences for it. Like, he thinks he's a god. And then then that's when Ezra goes back and he's like, I need to stop Atlas. And that's when he, like, goes and forms his own little mini six, if you will. Well, it is six, actually. That was... He said that was ironic. And so... um. Yeah, he has his own little six now, and he's going to use that to take down Atlas in the next books, I assume. Oh, um, wait. So he has his own six? Yeah, he does. I did not know that. Was that not a thing? It might have. Yeah, literally. It, if it was a thing, again, I it went over my head because she didn't explain anything. <laughs> that was, like, not a thing. Though, like... See, here's the thing. Literally, names were mentioned. Of, like, new characters. That was, like... Did not get yeah. that. Did not get that. Here's the thing. I think that, like, something that, like, is also a thing. Maybe this was just amazing. I feel like, as I've said certain things, people who have, like, who read the self-published edition religiously and, like, really understood it somehow because they were geniuses are going to be listening mm. to me, like, this wasn't explained. They're going to be like, oh my god, yes it was. I mean, because all these things probably indirectly did happen. It just, like, wasn't well done, if I'm being honest. So, like... Yeah, I agree. So, I'm sure, like, a lot of these things that I'm about to say, because I'm just about to get into something, and I know people are going to say, that was in it. It wasn't in it well, okay? Um, just to clarify. <laughs> it wasn't emphasized as it much as it should have been. It wasn't explained at all. Mm. Um, but, like... The whole thing of, um, like, Ezra in my edition of the novel definitely was made out to be a lot more of, like, an evil figure. Mm. Like, he definitely, like, it's, like, how I interpreted it and how it almost made it seem as, like, you knew he was working against Atlas, but almost on his own malicious plan. (laughs) Like, like his plan was equally evil to Atlas's. Just they were different, but it was equally evil. That's kind of how it was, like, Mm. I interpreted the novel a bit. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I do feel that I I was kind of going to bring that up where I'm like, I feel like in mine, Atlas was written to be, like, a bad person. Like, he is the... Yeah, Atlas was written to be a bad person in mine, too. But, like, I was also saying that, like, But it's, like, Ezra... Yeah, in this one, Ezra had a real glow up <laughs> in the art and yeah. in personality because Ezra, like, it, his intentions almost seem good. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, um, and like even this quote, like this is the last paragraph of the book, um, before like the little epilogue, and it's literally like the members of the room exchanged glances. There were six of them, which Ezra found beautifully ironic. The synchron 
oh, the synchronicity was so crisp that even Atlas would have appreciated it had he known. What do you want us to do about them? Asked, and this is like a new character name. It's spelled N-O-T-H-A-Z-A-I. The first to speak. Ezra smiled as Atlas would have shrugged. What else? Our world is dying, he said, and took a seat, ready to put himself to work. It's up to us to set it right. So it's like kind of insinuating that like Ezra has good intentions. He's trying to save the world. <laughs> like, yeah, see, so. I don't know. Like, I, I'm going to pull up. So is that like the last line of the entire book that you just read out? Before the end, yes. Okay. Like, do you have an end chapter? Yeah, I do. I'm going to read out, like, what my last line is. Because, if I'm being honest, it could be the same. It's just that it was, like, kind of insinuated, I guess. That's, like, it kind of did the thing that, like, books will sometimes do. Where it's, like, oh my gosh, this person looks like they're leading the safety of the mm. world. But, like, they're actually just, they're just as bad. They're doing it for their own evil gains, right? I mean, and so like it's totally plausible that I have been blinded and mi- misperceived with the fan art, and I'm just willing to see the best in Ezra because he's freaking hot. Like, that's an option. <laughs> like, move. The fan art could have misdirected me. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to get it pulled up here. You're good. But, like... But, yeah, no, I, um, my book is loading, because it's on my phone, because I have a friend with my copy at the moment, pretty inconvenient for this episode, so I'll get back to it once it's done loading. That's so good. <laughs> I just don't want to, uh, like, make everyone sit here while I'm, like, loading, That's okay. Loading. While we wait, can I read, I think reading this would help, too, like, the start of the end, Yeah. it's kind of establishes what I was saying earlier about where, like, the six are at when they're taking the vow. It's basically, like, and so five stood where there had once been six. I won't do it, said Nika de Verona, breaking the silence, not unless I have some assurances moving forward. Parissa Kamali was first to reply, assurances of what? I want roads back, and I want your world your word you'll help me find her nico's expression was determined and grim his voice steady and unflinching i refuse to be part of this society unless i know i have your support dalton opted not to contribute things like there is no refusal because it did not seem relevant instead he sat quietly waiting for what would come I'm with Nico. That was Raina Mori. As am I. Callum Nova's voice was smooth with confidence. Presumably, he possessed the cleverness to know that for him, only one answer would be sufficient. For now. You? Nico asked Tristan Kane, who didn't look up from his hands. Of course. His voice was thin with derision. Of course. Which leaves you, Raina observed, turning to Parissa, who glanced askance with irritation. Would I really be stupid enough to refuse? Don't. Nico cut in before anyone could respond. This isn't a fight. It's not a threat. It's a fact. Either you're with me or you're not. Either they were with him or he was not with them, Dalton interpreted in silence. But this was the point of the binding, wasn't it? They had not suffered this year for nothing, fine, Parissa said. If Rhodes can be found, she will be, Nico said brusquely. That's the point, fine. Parissa slid a glance around the room to the five candidates present alongside the absence that none could ignore. She dared them to contradict her, but when, as predicted, they did not, she said, You have our word, Verona. And so, where there had once been six was now irreversibly one. Like, that kind of is setting up the scene for the next book, if I do say so myself, about, like, where the six are. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole reason why the six even take the vow is because they promised to find Livy. So it blows my mind that, like, they didn't even know Livy had to be found <laughs> in the original. But here's the thing, like, they kind of... I don't know how, 
because like here's the thing like they didn't know like because Nico was convinced that she was still alive but only in like a weird like he's in the denial stage of grief sort of dealio yeah it was more like that I guess <laughs> mm. um and so like it was very much a different sort of thing because here they're kind of joining him with like this sense of hope I guess <laughs> yeah but they're like okay there actually is a chance here that like this girl is alive um in the pan mcmillan in the one i read or your one yeah no in in your editions like they know that like she's there somewhere she's just kind of lost like um, yeah whereas like in mine they didn't really know that they just kind of like um they just kind of were like guessing a bit and they were just kind of worried about Nico so they were like yeah okay sure bud we'll go find her like oh <laughs> uh, interesting yeah no that's interesting so it's like oh. the same thing did happen where it's like they did kind of pledge in a similar way to help him find her but it was more on like a like what I just said I guess like mm. they felt a little bit bad for Nico they're like ah oh, he's really good it seems like the, the best way to yeah, it seems like the best way to sum up the differences is really, like, you get to the same spot, but, like, the underlying uh, tensions and information is different. Like, the circumstances in which you're there are different, if you will. And the characters know more things as well. Yeah, like, that's what I mean when I say like, the information is different. Like, they make the same decisions, but the circumstances in which they're making those decisions and, like, the intention behind those decisions are different because they have more, like, information to make them, if that makes sense. Definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, How's your little phone going? Seems saying like I don't have enough storage bus. to open it, so I'm deleting <laughs> I really want to know. I now. have my Kindle. I have no, my. Here. I, I got have... it now. I got it now. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it's open now. I got it. Sorted it. Okay. Um. She's a podcaster. Okay. Now I just need to get to the correct part. Okay. So it's like the last thing of like the death section. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, no, that is the same. Mm. Um. But, like, I think it's just, like, I read it differently. Like, you know, like, I perceived it differently. Like, he's yeah. like, it's up to us to, like, take it the other way. Sort of dealio. Like... Yeah. almost in like another malicious direction because it's like also it's like having read it from my perspective and the idea that it's like because if the other characters don't like yes I kind of like I know that Libby is still alive because I see her in like this other like weird place that Ezra dropped her off but like because like the other characters don't know about that it's not as clear to like me if that makes sense so it's like yeah. I don't know if this other place that he's dropped her off. Like for all I know, it could be like like because it's from like Libby being like, oh, I'm being dropped off in this like I don't know where I am. Like I'm in this place. Like no one else is here. It's like 
okay, I don't know that that necessarily means she's alive. Like, this could be some weird afterlife thing as well, because all the other characters think she's dead. Like, we found her body, she's dead. And then it's just like, oh, she's in this place where no one else is. It's like, we don't necessarily know that she's alive. So it's like, at this point, like, I don't know if Ezra's, like, killed her or, like, what he's done with her, really. Like, you kind of know she's alive, but, like, you don't really know what he's done with her. And so, like, I think that you just see him as a lot more evil by thinking that her body's there. Yeah, I'm looking at my Kindle version now. You you don't even have a whole chapter. No. The last chapter, you don't have it, which oh. is intriguing. Yeah. The end. Like, yeah, you don't have that entire chapter, which is basically Ezra getting his little bandits together and being like, hello, let's go save the world. Yeah, so it's like, to me, he was like a very, like, almost like evil figure. So I think that that like kind of brings us back to where we started this podcast episode, where I was like, why do you think he's hot? He's like the villain. Now I know why you don't think that he's the villain. No, yeah, to me, he's so hot because <laughs> I'm like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm like, let's talk about Ezra. <laughs> His whole backstory is so traumatized. It's like the way that he had to just keep watching his mom die. He kept trying to save his mom from the shooter with time travel. And then eventually oh, yeah. he just like, remember this and then like after the 11th time watching his mom die and trying to save it he was like this is the last time i'm ever gonna see you and so as a kid he was just like holding his mom's hand and like his mom was so shocked because like he never did that as like a little boy and then and then she just died it was sad and then he just went on with his life and i was like oh my god this is sad like i didn't like ezra until i read his his second chapter because his first one's just that random conversation about power between him and alice um but the second one is where we really learn about his backstory and i was like so shook by it i was like wow this is this is good this is good shit right here like poor ezra poor hot ezra and so yeah Uh, i'm excited (laughs) so it's so interesting Um, but like we've got to like different conclusions based on like the same book like well it's not the same book it's the same book no but I think it's cool like there's no other book that you can really have this experience with at the moment I feel like like (laughs) this is a first for us this is a first in terms of reading experiences of reading like different versions of kind of the same book like you know what I mean so I definitely would want to read the original, like, finish the original and see for myself. Because I know some people have already read both versions, which, like, hats off to you. That's cool. But, like, I am just not that dedicated of a reader. Like, I'll have to do it, like, another time when I'm, like, not busy with school. (laughs) Right now, I don't. I have no intention. But, yeah, I think it's cool for sure. And I'm definitely excited for the second one. Do you think you'll read the Pan Macmillan version? 100%. Before the, I'm, before the second one comes out, I need to read that. that <laughs> you'll be able to let me know about the start of the Pan Macmillan version because I didn't read the start. <laughs> That's like the choppiest reading experience ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you all learned something today. <laughs> yeah, we have did. five minutes. Uh, yeah, we have like I'm just going to put it out there. If this was to be done with any fandom, it makes 100% sense that it's the Atlas 6 fandom because they are just 
all like academia nerds like they are eating this up i bet being like oh my god let's study the difference i'm eating this up i'm loving like my little brain is like ooh, let's talk about the philosophical ideas and the differences between the two novels like this book does that to you just makes you be like oh my god academia is cool and then i have to like i stop talking about the atlas six and then i actually have to go do like university academia and i'm like no i can't do it it's too much <laughs> I fucking love dark academia, but hate academia. <laughs> yeah, dark academia and academia, yeah, different, different things. Dark, dark academia has spice; it has flavor. Academia does not. Dark academia dark always a- has murder. <laughs> dark academia has Parissa Kamali. Yes, and so this makes it already more- winning. Obviously, I would hate dark academia in real life, but like. In terms of literature, in fiction, great. Yeah, in fiction, it's an underappreciated vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's not underappreciated, but it's not popular enough. It's good vibes. Yeah. So, okay, my who we have a few minutes left. Who is your favorite out of the six? We'll just ask the question. Get it out of the way. <laughs> I have mine. What are you? Callum. Callum's my favorite as a character. Yeah, he's so interesting. Like, interesting. I underlined a lot of quotes that I found really cool in this book. I never had written in a, in a physical book before, so this was a new experience for me too. But Callum had the most lines. Like, all my favorite for lines sure. were from Callum POVs because he's just... He's very much painted out as the villain, but at the end of the book, you're like, Callum, I, I don't know if he's the villain so much. Like, it's just he was doing what he had to under the circumstances, and he was just unsympathetic about it. But I think Callum has the capabilities to be a villain at any moment, and that just, like, scares a lot of people. And he's aware of that, and he's just so interesting as a character to me. I, I really like Callum. I like Callum as well. Like, I would say Callum's definitely the most interesting. Mm. But in terms of characters that I preferred reading about, like, in terms of, like, that I like, I guess. Because it's, like, it's kind of hard to say as of now that I like Callum. Like, I liked reading about Callum. <laughs> Do I like him as a person? I don't know. Like, Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say, like, in terms of that, like, I would say, like, Nico or Parissa, like, I liked both of them quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Parissa was my favorite as a person, as a character, like, Nico, uh, not Nico, uh, Callum was the most interesting, Parissa was the most likable to me, so yeah, those are my top two. I just liked Nico because I was, like, I was, I just liked Nico because I was, like, I feel like... I feel like Nico really added that, like, I guess, like, relatability to this super weird book. I feel like Nico was definitely a very necessary character because he exhibited a lot of, like, the human characteristic. Whereas, like, all these other characters, they didn't really feel human, you know? Because, like, Nico was a character that you had seen before, like, and he did exactly what you're saying like I completely agree with you he was definitely an essential part of this book because without him I just would have felt like I was like you could tell me that these people aren't even human at all and I would believe you you know 
Mm. Whereas, like, Nico really felt like a person. (laughs) For sure, for sure. That's so true. Like, Parissa, I'm like, she is just superhuman at this point, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So, I'm really intrigued. I really want to learn more about Raina, though. Raina was the one we learned the least about. For sure. But yeah. I'm interested because in- I wonder like because like now it's like you know well like it's like you know that obviously Atlas wanted these to bring these people in to his like society so that he could create For a years. new pardon? For years like they had been watching them for decades like basically yeah because he wanted to create like an alternate universe right mm. and like i just find it so interesting like looking at like their powers especially like reina because she was always like why am i picked why am i picked mm-hmm. but i guess like her powers would be useful in the art of creating a new world you know for sure. Did did you have that scene between Raina and Nico where basically Nico drew from Raina's power and then like yeah. they literally made life itself? Like that was yeah. that Yeah. And so Raina it's I think in Atlas's little speech with Ezra he said they needed like a battery and that was Raina. Mm-hmm. Like Raina's the battery. So um yeah, I'm very intrigued with that because I think how they described it was really nice. It's just like rain is electricity and Nico was kind of the light bulb in that situation. And Raina has a line where she's like, electricity is nothing without a light bulb. So she has this like insane power, but she can't really do any, but she can't do anything with it except hear planes talk, which good for her, I guess. <laughs> that would drive me up the wall. Imagine every time you sat or walked on grass, they're like, ouch. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm such like, a weird detail. Like, what's what purpose does that serve? Like, I know. I need to know if like the grass is gonna be like a main character in the next books or something. <laughs> I just I fail to see the usefulness in that as of right now. Uh, <sighs> to be determined in the Atlas Paradox coming October twenty yeah. fifth, twenty twenty two. She's po- uh, Olivia Blake, she's posting excerpts from the Atlas Paradox on her Instagram, and I saw one, and it was Nico's, and he was kissing a girl. Ooh. Yeah, I saw this yesterday. She posted it on Instagram, apparently. And anyway, it was an excerpt from the Atlas Paradox, and it was Nico's kissing a girl. And I was, like, intrigued. Where are you seeing this? I'm on her Instagram. Yeah, I saw it in a tiktok and apparently this girl reposted it from her instagram olivia blake's instagram i'm not seeing it oh no maybe is it in her stories no no oh wait she has a highlight for the atlas paradox yeah let's see um, no, where did this excerpt come from? No, here it is. It's it's in the highlight reel for the Alice Paradox. Is it, I think I'm seeing it. Yeah. There's a few it's snippets. It's freehand. 
Yeah. So there's She's this done one. a few. His free hand wound up to the nape of her neck, gathering her hair and pulling her back for another kiss, another, again, again, deeper, closer, more. His eyes were closed and her skin was warm, molten. So, see, this, is, this book is too small. I don't even know what this word The fork. He sighed in her mouth, relinquishing each breath. He felt the bed give way beneath him. Oh. Swallowing him up. Oh, that's basically it. Stay with me a while. I'm talking <laughs> other languages. Um, and then there's like other ones. It's like one about Tristan having daydreams. These are on her Instagram. The Atlas Paradox highlight uh, story thing, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, just. Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah. If you guys are interested, you can go have a look at the her little highlight reel on Instagram. Um, yeah, she's posting little excerpts, and I saw that one. So, yeah, I'm very excited for the new book. It added to the list of the books coming out this year that I am intrigued about. And, yeah, and until then, I guess that's all the time we have. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this, and, yeah, we will talk to you all next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.